Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. This time we have a guest in studio, and the last time this guest was in studio, we were talking about some serious stuff. We were referring to the Urban Meyer uh, debauchery at Ohio State. We brought in, once again, if you've listened to that show, you remember his name, and you've heard his name many times before. He is our super fan. His name is Alex DeWitt. Hi, Tom. I am back. <laughs> of course. Welcome back to the show, Rams fan Alex. Yeah, it's great that it's this week because, hey, late in the season, we can clinch in Detroit, and I can see it. I am so thrilled for that. <laughs> of course. As for me, well, it's just another good day down in Detroit, and I'll try to meet as many sports people as possible as he, as he's not surprised. Yeah, the, the, the secondary objective is to watch Tom as he finds different seats to talk to people that I don't recognize until he tells me who they are, and I go, oh, oh, they work for them. Oh. <laughs> I had that a lot in September. Yes. In fact, well, I'll mention one of them at least. There was a new Tigers um, in-stadium host that I think it was her only night doing. Her name was Brooklyn. I had noticed that she was, like, right towards the end of our section. And as she was coming up, I'm like, Alex, switch seats. Brooklyn! <laughs> yeah, it was – he's he's very intense when you uh, – if you're a media personality and he's at the same game you are, you could probably expect a visit or at least him staring, staring you down from across the stadium. <laughs> As as Jeff has said before, I am a resident meatball and perhaps a savant, <laughs> to say the least. With that being said, thankfully for his sake, I brought in a different guest a few hours ago, and the podcast is already up, Aaron Gosser, to talk Ohio State and Northwestern. I know you didn't want to talk about that at all. No, um... Another disappointing uh, the game, which is turning to the Ohio State game, unfortunately. Um, one win this decade is not looking too hot, and that's through technically three different coaches, barely, but technically through three different coaches. So they need to step that up. They do, but I will say this before we get started. Look at Kentucky's streak to Florida. Oh, for 20-something until this year. Minnesota. Twitter was not even a thing the last time Minnesota <laughs> beat Wisconsin. Now, I'm not defending what's happening by any means. I'm saying there are streaks of big rivalries like this that have gone for longer than what has pers- has conspired. But sometime it's got to happen. Yeah, especially when, you know, at least this year and possibly one of the other years um, under Harbaugh, Michigan was favored, or at least extremely close to favored within, within three points. And they drop both games in wide margins almost across the board. So something will have to change in Harbaugh's perspective to win this game. Now, before, like I had said on the Ohio State show, if you're thinking that Harbaugh needs to go, you're nuts. And the reason is this season, really. 10-2 and this year, and a year that, in fact, one of my regulars at work Al had told me, if they lose to Notre Dame, they're going to go 6-7. and seven. Well, yes, they did lose to Notre Dame, but they won the next 10. They had two big games at home and one on the road. The road against Michigan State and then home to Wisconsin and Penn State. All ranked games. Which is crazy considering 
the last three weeks showed the parity of the middle of the Big Ten with Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State kind of falling off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the Big 12 has possibly a better parity system, as you've heard online and through everyone talking about um, Mm -hmm. the conferences. But there is some in the Big Ten. It just happened to show its uh, weakness extremely late. Exactly, and it, and it might have been it might have been the big house that that got to them because after they went after they got thrashed at the big house, they fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, well, except for Michigan State, but that was uh, the whole offense just kind of ground to a halt after week five. So mm-hmm. you know, stuff happens. <laughs> of course, and unless you're Ohio State, you see Don, you see the Don Brown mustache, and you just cower in fear and just run away. <laughs> yeah, because you know he's throwing smoke. <laughs> so Michigan talks set aside. We'll bring in. We'll finally talk about the real reason we brought him in. But first, as he wants, as he has always wanted to, go ahead and hit an ad for us. Anyone? The bed of your dreams. Nectar has aligned all their efforts around one simple promise: the best sleep of your life, guaranteed. Featuring a 365 night trial and a forever warranty, this bed will will be the best you've ever owned. Nectar, the most comfortable mattress. I'm sure my drinking buddy Aaron probably had the best sleep of his life after Saturday uh, watching Ohio State destroy Michigan. (laughs) That's what you get for having Ohio friends. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they're they're at least good people. So, bring him back to the actual reason why I brought him on the show. We're not talking about Urban Meyer. We're not talking about Laura Rutledge's response to Urban Meyer, which I thought was great. And in fact... From that, I actually got to meet Laura at one of the games, <laughs> and she liked that. And I brought her up on the show. So, first talking point here: Rams offense. I'm not talking about the greatest show on turf. Two, is it the greatest show on turf squared? Well, this is really the up until uh, Cooper Cup got hurt. It was the one personnel set wonder, uh, where 90 percent of the snaps were Gurley in the backfield. Cup, Cook, and Woods um, out as receivers, and Higby um, usually a blocking tight end because they haven't thrown to him much this year. And now with uh, Cooper Cup gone, they've been adding in more uh, Kaderil Hodge. We saw him versus mm-hmm. Kansas City make some pretty good catches, and Josh Reynolds is getting some more play time. But we have to hope that um, with Cup gone that there's a little bit of uh, uh, change-up to the system because neither of them can replace the straight line speed of Cooper Cup to, um, mm-hmm. in the slot. And I think we saw it work against Kansas City. Uh, they um, exploited a couple of weak spots that were known to um, the Rams on uh, Kansas City defense. And they came up to really um, make the plays needed and make sure that 50 points can be scored on both teams. <laughs> right, and that and that wasn't a pitiful that that was not a pitiful defensive show by either team. Although the score says it was, it was it was two great offenses just showing up yeah. on the on the turf of the and, LA and, Coliseum. And in the uh, in the uh, playset of um, how the rules are set, against, uh, it's somewhat against defenses. If you look at back from the seventies, when the defense could literally throw a receiver over their shoulder and not get called for anything, <laughs> um, this that's definitely. Uh, a way to go. I mean, you look at even how the fantasy points scored out. Rams were at 16 points in the, in, um, in standard fantasy scoring. And, you know, they had Ebucam f- show up like none other that for the weak linebacking core of the Rams, which was the attacking point all season. They managed to uh, put pressure on Mahomes and get a strip sack and almost get a second one. 
and then you had two late picks, which really helped there. I, you can't really say it was garbage time because the Chiefs were playing for something at that point. Now, if it was Blake Bortles and he did that, yes, that'd be garbage time. <laughs> but we're talking a team that was down a score and just th- trying to get back in the game with a couple minutes left. Speaking of garbage time, um, Alex had showed me a meme on Monday morning. It was Blake Bortles' new friend, a bench. Yes, I, I saw he got benched. I was not too, too surprised. Um, I don't know if it's I, I ownership or coaching that decided to make that choice because it's the second time it's happened in the last couple of years. And he'll probably be back in after they see how bad their backup quarterback is. But it's, it's bound to happen. He's not a great quarterback. He's literally a system quarterback in Jacksonville. <laughs> a lot of people, especially on Twitter, call Tom Brady exactly that, a system quarterback. And we'll, not, <laughs> and we'll never know until he retires. Exactly. <laughs> so, of course, I mentioned to you it's not the GSOT2, it's the Greer Schoenter squared because he's a math person. Yeah, they're doing like, offensive yards is just insane. I mean, even in the efficiency level, um, Rams first for pass, off- um, pass offense efficiency, third in rush offensive efficiency, and that's what I'm doing diddly squat with Gurley last week. Um, you have the easily, um, by almost any metric, uh, top three quarterback in Goff and top two quarterback in Gurley. And again, he didn't really play last uh, against Kansas City. He was just there. He didn't get much many touches. So you have this offense, and you have the two major components of your offense doing crazy things, both being uh, technically outside of MVP, can- MVP candidates because of what Drew Brees is doing in New Orleans and mm-hmm. how Tom Brady is just Tom Brady. But right. um, you just have so many weapons. You can do so much in just chunk yards out of almost any defense. Right, and unfortunately, uh, uh, going toward to the Lions now. Unfortunately, on our offense with JBC, you're going to see the same thing happen to him, like what, what happened with Alex's very, very favorite coach, <laughs> least favorite, Jeff Fisher. I was just fired. Yeah, um, I just saw a couple things that popped up this week after um, the loss against Chicago that. Yeah, he's on the chopping block, and he was technically on it last year for a couple of weeks until everything st- stood up and um, started going again. But I mean, you look—you guys are uh, 25th in pass offense with with um, Stafford, who's at the very least considered an average starter by people um, outside of the Detroit area, mm-hmm. and at number 16 ranked rush offense, which is shocking. And with Carryon Johnson gone for the rest of the season, Blount's only averaged 25 yards a game. Of course, he's been the backup, but mm-hmm. you're looking at sloth-like backfield for the rest of the season and Stafford not being able to hit a receiver to save his life. Which means that heads may roll yeah. in downtown Detroit. And Patricia, sure, he got, everyone said, yeah, he came back over the Patriots and won that game, but that, was, that seems to be a theme with first games for um, uh, previous um, assistants under Bill Belichick. Vrabel did it too. McDaniels, when he was in uh, Denver, did some really good things um, that mm-hmm. I don't think they beat. I don't think they played the Patriots that season, but they beat um, the Steelers. I remember mm-hmm. that game. That was the game that everyone was like, "Holy crap, he's for real!" So there's a big game, and every one of Bill Belichick's um, uh, underlings uh, when they uh, branch out to their own team. But since then, it's been pretty scuzzy. You could say we've been in the pit of misery, dilly dilly. <laughs> yeah. With your goalposts winning you two games, Carolina and Green Bay. Doink. <laughs> So I ask you, as for Detroit, what's left to salvage out of this year? Yeah, spoiler, essentially. Um, 
you can hold off the Rams' inevitable uh, lock on the NFC West. They're so far up that it's all, all but mathematically impossible for the Rams not to have the NFC West crown at the end of the season. The magic number is one. The odds that the Rams don't win another game and the Seahawks don't lose any single game is pretty much impossible. Um, you can try to Im- increase uh, the value of some of your larger stars. Um, uh, Anza can try to uh, get get out at the end of the season. There's been talk about him um, being kicked anyway, so mm-hmm. he can try to make some value for himself. Uh, some of the receivers, uh, Jones or uh, Galladay even, could try to make plays which to get Marv, traded. Which Marvin Jones just went on IR as well. Uh, so he's completely toast. So, yeah, and you guys got rid of Tate. So you mm-hmm. really have... No, nothing except um, experience. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about Marvin Jones. You've followed Adam Schefter on Twitter yeah. probably since you've been on Twitter. Well, the last time that Marvin Jones went on IR for Cincinnati, Adam Schefter tweeted his famous pocket tweet. Word it. That was retweeted so much. And then Adam Schefter tweeted, funny how everybody, how people react to word yard rather than Marvin Jones going on IR. And then Cincinnati signs some other Oakland receiver to replace Jones. Or Dort. <laughs> yeah. I I I mean the the best thing they can do is just try to play spoiler. Um I don't think it can happen this week. I know they have a couple division games left that they can try to um, screw up the wild card for the NFC, but that's really their best bet for the rest of the season. Yeah, unfortunately we couldn't stop the bear train and our buddy Jeff is going to be having some playoff Exposure. Not, not even with uh, with with Chase Daniels as the uh, Bears quarterback, he managed to beat the defense. So imagine that with the Rams. Sean it's, Mannion. <laughs> it's oh well, no, th- th- that's my jersey number, and that's unfortunate because it wasn't his number before. So I claim it first. Um, I have more value than Sean Mannion, I believe. Um, but I mean, Rams are healthy uh, except for Cup. I uh, guess who's back? It's Aqib Talib. I. Uh, Going to p- patch up the secondary because uh, Peter Shields and Joyner trying to make it work with uh, nickel packages, just not enough. Uh, there's enough weakness in there that I uh, we saw Mahomes really go crazy, but we saw Breeze do it too. And it, it, and with linebackers being the known weakness, you can't have a weak secondary on, on a single side. So being have both those quarters back will greatly increase the effectiveness of the pass defense. Just remember, Aqib Tlaib and Steve Smith. Still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of those guys is now retired, but... <laughs> Isn't Steve Smith like 50 years old? No. <laughs> Actually, I'm 35. If you remember the Jimmy Kimmel Cut out tweets. <laughs> so, that's exactly where Alex is just showing his notes. In fact, he does actually have notes for the show. That's yes. why he's very Yeah, I'm not prepared this time. I'm trying to uh, reduce, <laughs> reduce the stuttering and uh, get everything out clearly. And I, that was actually going to be my next point. So we'll go keys to a, since your notes have it, keys to a Detroit Lions victory. Okay. Rams are notoriously poor on third down. I. Getting any movement into either short or medium yardage on first down will be a key because that way you can get a, set up a decent uh, pass attempt by Stafford, which is what they love to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So getting some movement, getting into a third and six or shorter, will greatly increase their odds of being able to move the ball down the field. doesn't guarantee points, but it guarantees movement and exhausting a defense. Um, attack the middle of the field. As I said, linebackers are the weakness. Ebu Cam showed up last week before, or two weeks ago. Before then, 
who heard of any of the um, Rams starting linebackers at the beginning of the season? Almost nobody. There's not there wasn't much there because of um, injuries that mm-hmm. it was able to um, sustain itself. Uh, large rushing uh, games allowed against the Seattle twice. Uh, and Kamara chewed him up. There's just too much of an opportunity for Blount to come into his form uh, circa 2013, 2014, and just bulldoze or eight, maybe, eight and ten yard gains. Or maybe circa 2011 when he punched a guy. <laughs> well, someone has to replace Ndamukong Kasu on, on that sideline, which, <laughs> hey, he hasn't had very many penalties this year, thank God. Um, uh, the final one I have is uh, to, to lock up one aspect of the Rams' offense. You can go after the rush, but we saw that that didn't, that didn't matter um, against the Chiefs. You can go after the pass, but we've all seen um, Gurley set it off and just go nuts. So mm-hmm. if you lock down one, you can at least slow the roll of the Rams' offense. Uh, Detroit is a smaller stadium, but it's loud enough that in the, be- in the beginning that it could disrupt some things. Uh, I saw that happen last time they were in town. Of course, that was with essentially a ghost team on the field. Um, and our favorite Jeff Fisher still coaching. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see. The uh, first couple of drives, I'd set the tone, and Lions could at least get themselves in it. In fact, you had actually gotten a bit of a reaction from your favorite coach the last time we were in Detroit, as you saw. If you, if you're on YouTube, I showed the picture of his sign on our uh, one of our I, shows. I, I don't know if that was the um, greatest show in turf. Will always be in St. Louis, it or was. the because um, the other one I had was Jeff Fisher is the um, and I. Uh, Stan Kroenke are the NFL's relocation squad because they moved, they helped move the Titans to uh, Tennessee and uh, the Rams both to St. Louis and back to Los yeah. Angeles. Actually, the Oilers to Tennessee, but they became the Titans, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> same technical team. I mean, uh, the yeah. Ravens were the Browns, and look what they did once they dropped that name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the flip side, keys to Ram winning. The Rams winning is don't be cocky. This is a clinch game. You have to keep it going. Um, just because. Seattle has won twice in a row. Doesn't mean you can just go. Oh, they're going to drop one eventually. You have you have to show that you can win it. I uh, you're fighting for that number one seed because you don't want to play in the Superdome of New Orleans again um, right. instead of the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta because they're not going right. to collapse. But um, both Mercedes-Benz branded stadiums. Thank you, corporate advertising. But um, you, you have to try to get there. And this team did beat the Pats and the Panthers, although the Panthers have come on hard times recently. We're not really sure why, but the Lions have beat the Pats and the Panthers this season, so you can't count them out. Exactly, and so my, my keys to, let's say, keys to a Lions victory will be, as you said, stop one of the two. My thought was stop Gurley, but last week, or two weeks ago, Gurley was effectively stopped. The rest of the offense wasn't. If that's the case, then, of course, Detroit... Uh, Detroit's defense is eh, I guess. Uh, Patricia's uh, having the uh, Patricia and Pascaloni are doing the right things. They're just not executing them right. And in a first-year head coach, that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Lions ranked thirtieth in pass defense yards per play and ninth in rush defense pass per play or yards per play. I was going to say the secondary has been our problem, yeah. and has, then that has said so. So, I guess I guess you're going to have we're going to have to go with the stop girly technique and just hope. hope the best. Hope and pray that we can get to golf at least once or twice, and I'll be drinking some golf syrup under my coat inside the stadium. Sorry, Ford Field Ushers. That's just how it's going to be. But anyway, um, keys to a Rams win. Um, Like you said, don't get cocky. You have to win. 
that's the key to a Super Bowl is W-I-N-N-I-N-G, winning. Yes. Not Pete Carroll, L-O-S-I-N-G, losing. That's Pete Carroll logic. But <laughs> but Sean McVay, uh, who, I call, who I try to call the P.J. Fleck of the NFL, is a winner. You said P.J. Fleck's done pretty poorly in Minnesota. Partially not his fault. Recruiting Minnesota hasn't been great, but right. yes. <laughs> and plus, P.J. Fleck's Minnesota just beat Wisconsin for the first time since before Twitter was... Yes. Twitter was a thing. Yeah. So they're they're rowing the boat in the right way. But don't get cocky. Feed Gurley. If that won't work, then just dump it dump it off to Gurley. Yep. I guess. Yeah, the screenplays or the jet sweeps, um, with the good, which are going to be mostly with uh, Cook now, because uh, Cup did about half of them. Now it's going to be mm-hmm. mostly Cook. Um, that's going to be a big part of it. I offensive churning is great and. Get that defense locked down again. Stafford's having a bad year. You got to lead back. Peters is healthy. Show it. Uh, you can get. You can in- increase your d- defensive efficiencies, but keep the receivers from getting the ball downfield. This will tell you. I'm s- sometimes my brain is still in the Jeff Fisher era, but I was thinking to myself, "Oh, jet sweep to Tavon or jet sweep to Brian Quick." Well, <laughs> the reason why I thought of Brian Quick was because I actually play uh, Madden Overdrive. Mm-hmm. And on my Detroit Lions team, I have Brian Quick. So, and I like to jet sweep to him in the overdrive. And, and we saw how um, Tavon Austin, everyone thought that he was going to be a star receiver. Uh, a little too small, fast, and had um, butterfinger hands for a wide receiver. And he moved to Dallas, and the same thing happened. So that was not a Rams problem, thankfully. He's more of a return guy slash jet sweep yeah. guy. Devin Hester in the slot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Sunday afternoon after, well, after everyone else has polished down a couple of beers, since we're actually going to the game, by the way. Yes, yeah. If we hadn't said that before. And I know quite a few people who are going to be there, actually, from my work. They're they're part of a party bus leaving from uh, our local Meyer. I shout out to the Midwest. And... (laughs) um, uh, going to be going down there. They're going to be directly opposite of us at the stadium. We're on the visitor side near the um, one corner, and they are like directly opposite sections, like two rows difference. It's <laughs> it's nutty how close and opposite they are. So while I'm looking for reporters, you're looking for your friends. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to be my friends Sunday. They've already <laughs> <said>. <laughs> so just being real. So score prediction: How will Sunday afternoon go? Um. Halftime will probably be close. Wade Phillips has a lot of uh, adjustments in the second half. We've seen that throughout the season. Uh, I'm going to say 42 to 17. I think the Rams are going to like wake up uh, late second quarter, early third quarter, and just put the hammer down until mid fourth when they just uh, hand it off to whoever wants to play running back. <laughs> I kind of figured he would say the Rams would whoop Detroit, and I, I'm going to say it's going to be a closer game than that. But I still project a Rams victory because. Detroit seems to just be in shambles. Like I had said on the other podcast, um, I had had this, in, I had envisioned a ladder, an eleven-step ladder. Well, rung two and it pfft, went went out. <laughs> obviously on Thanksgiving, so that's gone. Just like on South Park, and it's gone. Yeah, what? It's gone. It's not there anymore. So at this point, just salvage what you can in this game. Well, this game is going to be Detroit's test to see where they're at in terms of. Where their football team, I guess, where their football team is, yeah. offensively and defensively. Right now, most people, and myself included, think not that good. 
So I'm going to say Rams, Rams 45, Detroit 30. Oh, you're expecting the, the offense uh, Stafford to wake up, or at least get a couple turnovers. I'm thinking so, and it's because when you def, uh, a defense on a team that scores a heck of a lot of points like the Rams do tends to give up a heck of a lot of points, and I could see that happening on Sunday. So we both think the Rams are going to win. We both think the Rams are going to clinch the NFC West on Sunday, and Alex thinks they should have clinched the NFC West in Week 1, but some things aren't that realistic. No, and if, if Seattle wouldn't have matched up against the Panthers and beat them because the Panthers have had uh, pretty poor last few weeks, uh, they would have been the first team since the 2002 division um, swaps to clinch the division on their bye week, which would have been an interesting accomplishment considering how early in the season it technically would have been. Mm-hmm. Only week 12 now, and we're in week 13. Yeah. So More normal. <laughs> yeah. So with that, we go to, as I call the most heralded segment on the Tom Green Podcast, and that is... The Rapid Fire. The Rapid Fire Picks. We have 10 games this time, and that's because our drinking buddy, Aaron Gosser, uh, got on the show just a few hours ago, and he wanted to defend his crown from last year. So I'm giving him a chance. And as Alex has known from the fan rapid fire picks, it's 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 tough sled nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I got two weeks going seven and two or six and two or something like that, mm-hmm. and that was for the first seven or eight weeks of the season. All of a sudden, someone goes eight and one, and mm-hmm. that's it. Like it's been. And with the late in the season, it was harder to determine, especially in the conference games of the college football, who was going to come out because there were, were enough upsets that Tom picked to yeah. um, to throw everything everyone under the bus. We we were all we were this close to everyone being out by Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, and I and I was considering throwing another matchup in there. We still had I'm not sure if it was you or Britco, but one of you guys were still in the running going into Saturday, so I just left it as is. But this time we have 10 games. you got to get 9 out of 10 right for a 90% winning percentage and perhaps the rapid-fire crown on the guest pick. So, unfortunately, this week you won't be in the fan pick because I was here. you're on the guest pick. Yep. So, but, but people, do not be afraid to tweet the guest pick or the fan pick because every week is a new week. <laughs> you can go 0-10 in one week, and you could still win the next week. Yep. So. Be not afraid. We're not doing the 538 cumulative score per week based off of ELO. That's a little too intense for Tom's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially, he's the numbers guy, not me. So, starting off, Pac-12 championship, Utah, Washington. In Santa Clara. Um, I think Utah's been a bit of a hot streak late in the season, but after I, after we saw what uh, Washington uh, did to the fighting Mike Leaches of Wazoo in the Apple mm-hmm. Cup. I'm in the snow. Si- yeah, I'm saying Washington is going to um, come out with this one, uh, 38 to 20. Uh, I I think it's going to be a, a heyday for um, the uh, folks up in Washington State, and they're still going to get left out because the Pac-12 did not do well enough to get in. But they'll make yeah. themselves known. Yeah, both teams are ranked in the double digits, which I'm surprised that Utah is even ranked, but <laughs> that's what it is. I'm going. I'm going the fighting Chris Petersons as well. I forget what I said in the podcast with Aaron, but somewhere in the 30s to 20s, like 34, 27, something mm. like that. Something close, but Washington win. Uh, Big 12 championship. Oh, the Red River rivalry rematch. Part two. Part two. Part two. Yeah. I'd, and this is in Dallas, so even though it's a home game for Oklahoma, it's a home field advantage for Texas. 
which it's the, it's that same way just a few miles down the road for yeah. the actual Red River rivalry at the yeah. Texas State Fair. Mm, corn dogs. Now, can the Longhorns do it? Can they stop the Big 12 from getting in the playoffs again? Can Oklahoma come up, come forward, and show that they actually own the Big 12 um, and F at the end? I'm surprised I didn't throw them off when I said, mm, corn dogs. No. Corn dogs <laughs> are good. Um, <laughs> even with the uh, parody of the Big 12 and how teams are top to bottom mostly decent or better, um, I don't think it's going to have to stop the Boomer Sooner song from being played multiple times. Uh, Oklahoma 41, Texas 35. Which you left out that uh, every time an Oklahoma fan walks in the stadium, they play Boomer Sooner because that's how Seems many like times that's how many times you hear that song every Oklahoma game you watch. Yes, even when it's a road game, it gets annoying. But besides the fact, I think you're going to be hearing Boomer Sooner in the playoff once again. Oklahoma wins on a last-second field goal, 44-41, the opposite of what happened just a few miles down the road of the State Fair. SEC Championship, Bama and Georgia. Oh, Bama. <laughs> the love-hate relationship of college football, because you're so great, but at the same time, we all hate you. Um, <laughs> Georgia, on the other hand, is the disappointment. Um, they show up, they get ranked high single, or low single digits, actually. They get high in the rankings, and then they drop a game, and they just lay an egg. Now, this is in Atlanta. Which means, again, technically Georgia should have home field um, uh, mm-hmm. sound inside of the stadium, not artificially piped in like the Georgia Dome. Um, <laughs> but uh, Falcons with Bama not winning any game by less than three scores, and that was at A and M. Uh, it's not going to be able to stop Tua and his train. I think it's going to be Alabama forty-five, Georgia fifteen. Call it a goofy score. It's going to be a goofy game. <laughs> I think it's going to be a close game, but. Like, like I'd said on the one with Aaron, um, the Tua train just unstoppable. Give me Alabama 35-20, something like that. Or, and the alternative could be it ends up like Bama-LSU, like 24 to nothing or something like that. <laughs> uh, Mountain West Championship, Boise State-Fresno State. A uh, group of five where you don't get a neutral site. But Fresno State is in a... Uh, kind of a ditch in terms of the, the, the matchup between Fresno State and Boise State. They haven't won in a while against Boise State. And they've both been decent teams for that conference. Derek Carr? Well, he, I, I, think he's, I think he's still better in the, in the NFL than in college. But I think he wants to come back to college. <laughs> well, it's just because he, has, uh, he has, uh, it's just because of his coach. Um, <laughs> but with the blue turf in the blue, in, in, in the blue field... It is in, in the blue turf. In okay. what last, when I checked earlier, looked like it could actually be a blue sky, but really freaking cold. Um, <laughs> so the thermometer will be blue, if nothing else. I'm going to say Boise State 31 and Fresno State 20. Believe it or not, I did not realize this was at the blue turf. I thought this was either neutral site or Fresno. I had to check it. But, because I had actually said on the podcast with Aaron that there was no blue turf, but there is. Yep. So my mistake, if you listen to that, I'm actually going to change my pick. I'll take Boise <laughs> as well because it's on the blue turf. Uh, Fresno State will be looking down, and they might end up being—they might end up actually bleeding blue because that's what the color of blood looks like when it's inside your body. No oxygen. No oxygen. Exactly. Boise State 41, Fresno 30. Because in the Mountain West, when you're 
when you're a state university in California, do you play defense? I don't think so. <laughs> Marshall and Virginia Tech, and I know you guys are thinking, what the hell is this matchup on, on the docket for? Well, Alex will explain. Well, it's a late game. Well, it's a late season rivalry game between two teams that are Marshall, which is okay in a crappy conference, and Virginia Tech, which is crappy in an okay or better conference. Mm-hmm. So that's a decent matchup um, on the face of it. It's in Virginia Tech's um, territory, though, which Blackford. is not very great for Marshall. Uh, Marshall's best games of the season, South Carolina canceled because of weather. NC State lost. Mid-Tennessee State leading their um, division in the CUSA lost. FIU currently right behind them in, in um, CUSA. Three-point win. Not great. And they're going to the Bahamas, FIU. Is. Hey, got to do something nice. Yeah. Um, Virginia Tech, though, losing four of the last five games in pretty convincing fashion, but against superior competition. Um, ACC, although the basement is pretty dirty, has some mm-hmm. decent teams in it still. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. It's going to be closer than the spread I saw. I'm going to say like 24 to 10, or 24 to 14, make, make that the spread mm-hmm. right now, because it's going to be a low scoring game, I think. I think Virginia Tech going to muddle through it. The reason that I thought he would mention and he didn't was that if Virginia Tech wins, they go bowling. That's the big reason why I decided to throw it in the docket. Um, Marshall has eight wins, but just like Alex said, competition, eh. Um, Just like what I'll be saying at the end of the game on Sunday, eh. (laughs) But besides the point, give me Virginia Tech. They have have a huge bowl streak. They'll continue it. Uh, 31-20, something like that. So, I guess I'll take I'll, I'll take Virginia Tech and the points. <laughs> Going to the NFL Thursday night football, Saints Cowboys. Drew Brees versus uh, Garrett Clapping. I uh, Cowboys have won three in a row, not nearly as impressive as the Saints, but they've been against subpar Philadelphia, Atlanta, which has been muddling through their season, mm-hmm. and Washington without their starting quarterback. Even being in the Jerry Dome. Which is going to be this? Can be essentially a prep for them for um the, for the weekend. I don't think the fans of Texas will get a heavy dose, or the te- fans of Texas will get a heavy dose of disappointment. Give me the Saints, thirty-eight to ten. I think the Cowboys are just going to crash. A couple of days ago, Alex was commenting on a NFL memes post, and him and I were just trolling just about every comment with Jason Garrett clapping memes. When Dak run, when Dak runs the ball for three yards on third and ten. <laughs> Give me the Saints, uh, the Cowboys. Ugh, again. <laughs> Saints fifty-one, Cowboys thirty. Baltimore, Atlanta, battle of the birds. This could be fun with Lamar Jackson. Um, he's doing pretty decent so far. He's um, showing the Ravens organization they can do something other than pocket passes, which is something that every team should explore in at least a little bit. Lamar Jackson does that in spades. Um, and the Falcons are definitely not the team that made the Super Bowl. Pretty much their downfall started when they lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going purple. Uh, it's going to be Ravens 28, Falcons 17. I think uh, Julio gets a touchdown and everyone feels good about picking him in fantasy, but that's about it. You're including yours truly in the Super League. 
Uh, this is the one where I'll go contrarian. Atlanta at home. Baltimore is a, is a tale of two teams, one that shows up and one that doesn't. With Lamar Jackson, they seem to have shown up. It's too bad that Curtis Samuel isn't their starting running back, and they sit next to each other on the bench. Samuel Jackson. Oh, Jackson. <laughs> uh, give me Atlanta 35-30. Close, higher scoring, even though Baltimore has a defense. Atlanta really doesn't. Yeah, it's it's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Once again, corporate. Yeah, not not the New Orleans one, which is their, which is their biggest rival. So, hey, Mercedes-Benz. You got that locked. <laughs> you always win with that rivalry. <laughs> exactly. So Saints-Falcons, who wins? Mercedes-Benz. Uh, Atlanta wins that one. Carolina and Tampa. Uh, Earth, the Panthers? Can can, can you hear me? Uh, <laughs> they got stopped by the Steelers, which was kind of surprising, but kind of accepted as the Steelers were really riding a hot streak at that point. Mm-hmm. But they followed up with a bumbling loss to the Lions, is what I'm going to call it. Um, and Gano choking. And then again... Gano choking against the Seahawks in Carolina. Yep, at home. In fact, I, I guess the secret is I did, I did have a few drinks during that Lions game against Carolina. <laughs> do I need to do that again for them to win? Who knows? Um, but the team's kind of falling apart, aside from Christian McCaffrey doing amazing things as a, as a hybrid running back wide receiver. Um, Over 50 DraftKings points last week. Yeah, which is unheard of. And I still didn't cash. <laughs> well, because everyone caught him, plus... Juju and you know everyone who got thirty plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Bucks as a. They're gonna call themselves a spoiler, but it's just that they're playing slightly better right now, and it's in Tampa. Uh, twenty-one to twenty. It's gonna be a dog fight. Oh, actually, not not much a dog fight. More like um, people without the ability to feel football dropping it all over the place. <laughs> this one I'm gonna go contrarian as well. Tampa. Tampa's quarterbacks put up a lot of yards. Guess what else they do? Throw up a lot of interceptions. Throw a lot of picks. <laughs> and guess what Carolina's defense can do? Catch a lot of those picks. Maybe they need to have them play wide receiver. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, they also have a captain on their team on defense. Captain Munderland. Mm. <laughs> I caught him off guard there. Give me Carolina in this one 31-24. Close game. Jameis starts... Fitzmagic comes in in the fourth. <laughs> uh, Jameis throws three picks, and Fitzmagic throws one. Uh, Cam does not throw any, but runs for a touchdown because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> 425 game protected by Fox. And I say this because Alex and I were uh, hoping that, or somewhat hoping that Detroit and L.A. would get flexed to Sunday night way back when, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Minnesota, New England. It's goofy. It's going to be dark. In Boston or near Boston, excuse me. At kickoff. Yeah, at kickoff at 4:25 p.m. on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Um, but Bill Belichick is having one of his normal seasons. Everyone doubts him at the beginning of the season. Loses a weird, goofy game, and then you go on and just essentially pub stomp everyone into the ground. Um, Vikings are not a pushover. But um, I, I do believe that they're not going to be able to win in Gillette, which is the best man can get. Exactly. And then, of course, when it, whenever, you, whenever you lose, this quote comes to my head. What do you think having a 37-year-old on in Cincinnati? It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. <laughs> in fact, I've said it before on the show. If ever I have a bad quiz... 
or like a, a breakup or something like that. What do I think of? You're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go Pats 31, Vikings 20. I said, you know, score and a half. Um, they, the Vikings try to play. Diggs makes, makes, them interesting, makes it interesting, but in the end, you're not, he's, they're not going to stop Tom Brady being himself. There's one element of this game that we're missing, and I hope it happen, and I hope we get it. It starts with an S and ends in no snow. <laughs> and the Vikings don't play in snow, unlike their college counterparts that they shared a stadium with for a few years. So mm-hmm. that would definitely mess with the Vikings. <laughs> and of course, one of Alex's favorite NFL football games, a 59 nothing loss can't stop this coach. Nope. <laughs> when Jeff Fisher loses that much, he's going to go up and win the next six. Just <laughs> mark it. <laughs> Give me the pats in this one. 20-7, to seven, low scoring. Let's say there's an inch of snow on the ground because it's Boston. It's Boston. It's Boston in the middle of the winter, even though winter hasn't started yet. You don't know whether it's cockies or khakis. Go Pats. Flex to Sunday night football. And I thought this would be flex about a week before they actually did flex it. Chargers, Pittsburgh. Hey. We had Steelers end up losing last week. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a shock, but at the same time, all good things must come to an end. I, Big Ben says his interceptions aren't a problem. He has 12 so far. I, Chargers' defense is not bad, but not elite. I'm, interesting fact, the Chargers have not lost outside of the city of Los Angeles. Hmm. Now, their loss to the Rams is their only loss as an away game. So technically, the Chargers have not lost outside the market. That will change this weekend, but um, that is something that is interesting going this far in the season and seeing their losses. They are worse at, ho- at home than they are away, which considers the 25,000 uh, capacity soccer stadium in a town that doesn't really care for football, it seems, or at least they have a lot of displaced fans who live in the, live in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to happen. You're not going to have a very loud uh, home crowd. But I'm going to say Steelers win it. I. Uh, 28 to 10. It's going to be early for the Chargers, but not early enough. Uh, Pittsburgh wins this game as well. Uh, James Conner hopefully runs for two touchdowns because I had him on my I have him on my fan that same fantasy team. And I of course, like many others, was hoping that Le'Veon Bell would hold out their whole year, and he has. So hopefully, Conner takes advantage. Pittsburgh 31, Chargers 17. Um. Yeah, there we go. So, that is our rapid-fire segment. And as always, do you have anything else to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? We'll see what happens Sunday. Uh, it's going to be an, not really an early morning, but an early enough morning where we're going to have to stop for breakfast, which I'm okay with. Um, hopefully to see people down there. I You'll be able to find Tom pretty easily. You'll be able to find me, I'm sure. I'm probably going to be in a spot with a sign. I think I'm going to change what it said from what I sent Tom earlier because they're already ahead of that. But we'll see. Of course, you, you'll find me in my Tom TV 23 sweatshirt, as always, probably talking to some reporter, probably a chick. Likely. <laughs> and his DeWitt 14 jersey. And hopefully McVeigh throws him in in the fourth quarter, if that's the case. Hey, when we went to see them, uh, we saw the Rams beat the Lions last year there in St. Louis. That was the big talk on social media. Put someone from the crowd in because you can't do any worse. <laughs> and then the guy, and then the guy that was playing ends up going to to, to Super Bowl. So hey, hey, 
Stuff happens. Yeah. He is our super fan, as mentioned on the show before, Alex DeWitt. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast. <laughs>